Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Today we begin a new series called Kingdom Come. The Lord's Prayer not only teaches us how to pray, but reveals who God is and who we are. Listen as we discover the meaning behind praying to our Father. We are beginning a brand new sermon series called Kingdom Come. And it, this is a series that is going to center around prayer. Now, prayers have been offered up often. We, I mean, we, we say a prayer every single day. I know, or I say a prayer every single day. I hope that you say a prayer every single day. I know that when we come here on Sundays, we say multiple prayers. Uh, when things happen in the world that are just terrible, oftentimes we hear people who we didn't think pray, they actually pray. They say things like thoughts and prayers go out to these folks and things of that nature, right? Prayer is, is a very common thing, but there's also a great number of ways to pray, at least from what I've been able to gather. Because some people... Our, our prayers every day, and they, they would tell you that I cannot get through a day without prayer. I cannot get through a day without prayer. There are other people who um, have a hard time praying, and they're not really sure you know, exactly what to do, and, 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 and some of us are busybodies, and, and the thought process of you know, you know, sitting in place and in a quiet and speaking to God in, in, in a quiet place just sounds so unproductive because we have this and that and these and those to take care of in our lives, whether it be, you know, work or family or homework or all these different kinds of things. And then there's other people who pray when they are in great need. There are, there are some people who pray for the very first time when they are in a, a dramatic circumstance, an emergency in their life. And they cry out to God, God, help me out. Prayer is valued differently by, is, the, the value of prayer to people is as unique as us individually. It really can be that way. And what's really interesting is that prayer is also defined by each of us differently too. I mean, there are people who would simply say that prayer is just talking to God, communicating with God. Other people say that prayer is a bit more reverent than just simply talking and you go up to God and say, how you doing? You know, that's not necessarily <laughs> the, uh, the way, the vernacular of, of such. And when you hear individuals pray, you recognize that each individual defines prayer differently because there are some people who pray loudly and they pray dramatically and they pray, there's just this certain amount of power to their prayer. Other people pray quietly. And when they pray, it's this kind of intimate kind of conversation. There's personal prayers. There's corporate prayers. There's healing prayers. There's prayers of Jabez and prayers of David. There's psalms. There's prayers of Paul. There's prayers of saints. There's all kinds of prayers. Pretty exhausting hearing all these different kinds of ways to pray, isn't it? Wouldn't it be interesting to find out if there is a, 
a standard, as you might per se. Something that maybe Jesus, the Son of God, the one who saved all of humankind, maybe he has something to say about prayer. And so for the next few weeks, we will be journeying along the prayer that Jesus taught his followers to pray. Kingdom come is a part of the prayer that we are going to be journeying alongside. The prayer that we are going to be journeying alongside is the Lord's Prayer. Now, some of you, automatically, when you think of the Lord's Prayer, you think of some old-school liturgical church where they have responsive reading and all hymns, and you've only heard the Lord's Prayer in this mono, monotone kind of, A Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Some, some, some of you might think that way, because oftentimes, churches that say the prayer on a regular basis have a little bit more, have a lot of structure to their services. And you might feel a little, yeah, is that us? Is that us? Right? But the reality of it is, is that the Lord's Prayer is the standard of praying. And the only reason I have the ability to say that is because Jesus the one who came and died for you and I to be free from sin and who resurrected from the dead, who defeated death so that you and I could have life, the central figure in our faith, Jesus Christ, said these words. When you pray, pray like this. When you pray, pray like this. It's really interesting. When Jesus first comes to his disciples and says these words, <clears throat> he actually shares this prayer in two different parts of the Gospels. One is in Matthew chapter 6. The other one's in Luke chapter 11. In Matthew, Jesus is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus's like... like you ever, you ever heard a sermon? You're like, that was the best thing I ever heard. The Sermon on the Mount is that. It, he, he, he shares with everybody who is around him what this life can be like. How our lives can be structured completely by God. How our actions can evoke that kind of love and peace and joy and hope that we talk about so much as followers of Christ. That is the Sermon on the Mount. And right smack dab in the middle is when Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer in Matthew. Now in Luke, it's different. Was Matthew right and Luke wrong? Or was Luke right and Matthew wrong? Jesus probably, probably could have taught it a few times. Because if you read through the Gospels, you'll recognize that the disciples aren't good listeners. <laughs> they aren't. <laughs> like, Remember when I said this? Oh, yeah. I'm going to repeat it for you. You know, here we go. But in Luke, Jesus and his disciples are in the middle of all of these different kinds of events, these, these moments of ministry where there's healings and he's preaching and the busyness of everything. And his disciples have noticed that Jesus on a regular basis, in the midst of all the busyness, 
pulls back and he goes and prays. He goes and prays by himself. And so the disciples, in the midst of all this, finally ask him, hey, God, Lord, teach us to pray. And then Jesus shares with them a version of the Lord's Prayer. The reality of it is, is that this prayer is essential for us to really understand what our life in Christ is to be like. Now, you might have some questions about prayer. Isn't God all-knowing? Do I really need to pray? I mean, doesn't he know all the stuff I'm about to say anyways? Um, hey, um, do I really need to pray in discipleship group whenever somebody asks? <laughs> Everybody's like, no, I don't have to do that. The reality of it is, is that Jesus, with all of his power and his might and his ability to know what's going on around him, he knows the Father's will completely. He knows what's, what people are thinking even with all of his power, his ability to do miracles, he could create bread, he, he could do all of this stuff, he still prayed. Prayer forms us and develops an intimacy with God. We pray not just because we need to voice everything to God, but because we are actively growing in our relationship with him, our intimacy with him. Because that's what Jesus did when he prayed. He grew in intimacy with his father. So today, we start a journey with the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer that is so amazing, that is so multifaceted. It includes... All and then some of what I'm about to share with you. This is the only prayer that you will pray that communicates with God. That asks God for help, whether it be good or bad times. It's the only prayer that also worships God. It also gives us something to pray. It gives us a structure, but it also gives us the words we are to pray. For those of you who have always wondered, how do I pray? It's there. This prayer also tells us who God is. This prayer tells us who we are. This prayer casts a reality and a worldview into our lives. This prayer inspires us to act and live differently. There is no other prayer. There is no psalm. There is no other prayer that does all of these things all at once. In fact, William Willimon and Stanley Hauerwas says this about the Lord's Prayer. This prayer, go ahead and show that on the, on the screen. This prayer is the enactment of the story of a God who called a people into existence through Jesus. In praying this prayer, 
we become the people of people God has called us to be in Jesus. These two authors have the audacity to say, a Christian is a person who prays the Lord's Prayer. A follower of Jesus is a person who prays the Lord's Prayer. Now, some of you might be thinking to yourself, I've never prayed it ever in my entire life. It's okay. This is essential. I'm surprised this, this isn't bigger in our theology and our, our ways of living. So, what is the prayer? We're going to show it up here. If you know it, pray it along with me right now. Here you go. Our Father, are we going to show it here? Here we go. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This morning, we are going to look at that very first line, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now you might think to yourself, how in the world could ten words take up an entire sermon? Oh, trust me. If you've never been here before, I can sometimes go long, so we'll be out by two. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, as, as, I, as I started to read some materials on this, I came to the realization that this prayer means so much. It's, it, it means what it says it means, but it means far more. So let's begin. Our Father. Our Father. Our Father does this. It answers the question, who's God? If you've ever wondered, who is God? What is God like? What, is, what does God do? He is a Father. He is a Father in such a way that Jesus doesn't use the term Father as we think about. Because a lot of times we like to separate, you know, biological fatherhood and then, you know, that intimate kind of relationship with, with a dad, right? Dad. What do kids call their, their, their fathers? They call them daddy, right? The word that is used here, Abba, more reflects daddy. This intimate kind of relationship that looks to God. For everything. Good dads, good dads, what do they do? They're, they pro help provide for their kids. They help correct their kids. They're there to help pick up the pieces when kids make mistakes. Dads, it's an intimate relationship between father, and child. Now I understand that some of us may have not had the greatest relationship with some of our earthly dads, and this is really difficult. 
But know that God as Father is greater than any dad you'll experience here on this earth. He is the standard of fatherhood. And so when we say our Father, we are saying that we look to Him in an intimate relationship saying, hey, I need you. I need you for this. I need you to provide for me in this. I need you to work. I need you to help pick up the pieces. I need you to give me a hug. I need you. Which is so comforting, isn't it? That our God, that God, the God who created everything, is not just some pie-in-the-sky God, and he's just like, create the earth, spin it. Oh, look what they're doing down there in uh, Champion today. They got together. That's good. No, he is actively looking to be a part of you and I's life. He is looking to be a part of every person's life in this world because... He loves and cares and is faithful. Our Father establishes a connection with the one true God who can do anything. God cares about you. God loves you. And God, when you say our Father, turns his ear to hear you. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, wait a minute, how is, how is God our Father? Now, Jesus is, is the one who's teaching this. And, and if you've never been to church before, we believe that Jesus was the Son of God. He's fully God and fully human. And that he's one with the Father. There's a lot of mysterious things about it. I can't get into to a Trinity discussion today, but it's pretty amazing. But Jesus, in John chapter 15, teaches to his disciples, his followers, the ones who have been following him, who believe that, that he is indeed the Son of God. He shares with them something really significant. He says, servants of mine, are not just servants, because here's why. I'm, I'm going to cue you in on what God is doing. I'm going to cue you in what God is doing right here and now through me. And mere servants, mere, mere people who just follow me, don't usually get that kind of information. So you're not just servants. You are my friends. You are my brother and sister. And so you and I, are adopted by God through Jesus Christ. That's how you and I can say, our Father. He is our Father only because of Jesus and what He did by dying and raising again and ascending into heaven. Now you're thinking to yourself, holy cow, we've just done two words and already... You're saying that when I say our Father, I'm believing all of this? Like, I really need, like, this is all a part of it? Yes. When Jesus taught this, it was completely wrapped up in who Jesus 
was. And so when you have the audacity to call the creator God, the one true God, our father, you are saying that you believe in Jesus Christ as the son of God who died for your sins and rose again for brand new everlasting life. So this prayer is for those who have faith in Christ, who believe in Christ, who orient their lives completely around Christ. You can say, that sounds a little exclusive. Does that mean if I don't believe this, I shouldn't pray this? Yes and no. If you want to become faithful to Jesus, maybe this prayer is a start. If you don't follow God and you're like a little unsure about everything that we're talking about right now, you are literally here during the best series possible because through this prayer, we will review everything that we believe as Christians and how it changes our life. So this prayer is meant for his followers, those who believe in Jesus Christ, those who orient their lives around him. And he is our father because of what Jesus has done for us. Our fathers also, I got one more thing. I know it sounds crazy. Why is it our father and not my father? The good news is that God is not the God of just you. God is the God of the entire universe. And if Jesus taught us to pray, my father who art in heaven, we would probably put so many things upon God that didn't belong to him. We would fashion God to be who we want him to be. But our Father says this is the one true God of all of the universe, and he is not containable by our own thoughts and our own fashioning. Which leads directly into who art in heaven. Our God is not just a God who is found in the United States. Our God is not just a God who is found in the Middle East. He is not just a God who is found on planet Earth. Our God is in heaven and has the most cosmic power and sees all things. Our God is completely different than you and me. He doesn't see the things that we always see. He sees everything. One of the the things that uh, one of the authors wrote is that it's very difficult to see national boundaries from heaven. And if you've ever seen a picture of Earth from space, you know that there's no borders on our lands now, is there? Because God rules from on high and is great and powerful, and sees us as his children. Not as Americans, and not as Brazilians, and not as Israelites. He sees us, his children, as we are. 
So saying our Father who art in heaven automatically removes any kind of personal thoughts that we think God fits into our little box. You are declaring that God is God. He's not some kind of idol or something that you fashion of what you want him to be. And then we move into the next phrase, hallowed be thy name. If God is God and he's the creator of all things and he does so much and he is powerful and and you think about you and I and what we can do personally, like I can play a guitar, yay. God created the world from nothing. God caused a bush in the Exodus to burn, but it didn't burn. God caused blind folks to see, deaf people to hear, lame people to walk. God hung upon a tree in Christ Jesus, and an earthquake happened, and a curtain, God is far more capable of anything than you and I. And so when we find out who God is, our Father who art in heaven, the most natural thing for us as creatures is to worship him. Because I don't know about y'all, but I haven't seen any of you, you know, cause an earthquake this week. I haven't seen any of you create a little globe from nothing and go, ha-ha. No, as creatures, our most natural, our, our natural state for us to be human is to worship God. And hallowed be thy name are words of worship. Hallowed means something so simple, to make holy, to set apart, to acknowledge To make sacred God, hallowed be thy name. By the way, if you're not an old English expert, thy is your, okay? Just so you know, if you're like, what is the thy? It's it's a yours. Hallowed be your name. We declare your name holy. God, you are so much greater. You are perfect. You are everything that I cannot be. So when we say, hallowed be thy name, we are worshiping God with our very words, with our very prayers. I think it also, honestly, means this. Hey, God, you keep being God. Because how many times do you and I go through life and we sort of, we sort of want to get control and we want to, to be God of our lives, right? How freeing would it be just to simply say, hey, God, why don't you be God? <laughs> Since you see everything and, and you hear everything and, and you really care about us and are faithful to us and love us, you be God. 
hallowed be thy name. And then there's one other thing that hallowed be thy name does. How many of you have ever heard of walk the walk and talk the talk? Or was it talk the talk and walk the walk? Talk the walk and walk the talk? I don't remember the actual thing, right? But what it alludes to is the fact that if, if, if somebody says something, then their actions reflect what they say, correct? I mean, we see bad examples of all the time. Yeah, I'm going to be there on time. A person who's serial, you know, serial, serially late, tardy. Yeah, I'm going to be there on time. This time. It's okay. It's all right. But until that person begins to walk the walk and is there on time, you probably don't believe that that person's going to show up on time, right? You're like, yeah, they're late. It's okay. So hallowed be thy name. If we are willing to say, God, you are holy, it reflects back to the first phrase, our Father who art in heaven. When you say our Father who art in heaven, you are a follower of God, right? You have faith in God. We have, we've established this, right? So if we're hallowing God's name and we are following him, then does our life reflect the holiness of God? Does it reflect a completely different way of living, because guess what? You've already declared that you are a follower. So as a follower, are you not just talking the talk in this moment, but are you also walking the walk? Dan Boone is he's a great author, and he's a president of, of Trevecca Nazarene University and now Eastern Nazarene College. And he wrote a book about this, and he begins the conversation about hallowed be thy name with a discussion about brands. If I say Chick-fil-A, you automatically think a chicken sandwich, and then you are automatically sad because it's Sunday and you cannot get a chicken sandwich today, right? I am depressed now. Sweet Chick-fil-A. If I say KFC, you think of a different kind of chicken and those creepy kernels that you see on commercials now, right? If I say Disney, you might think of a mouse or a castle or a bunch of really fun movies for your family, right? Brand names evoke a thought process, a reputation that comes up in our mind. And so if we say our father, if we say God, what is the brand of his followers? Are his followers representing who God is? Or are we misusing it? Do people outside of the church see the church as people of God or just hypocrites? And that's tough because we're only this... The, the first line of a prayer, and we're talking about how our lives are to reflect God. We haven't even gotten to the parts where we're saying, hey, God, do what you want. We're, we're right here in hallowing be thy 
name. How do we hallow his name with our very lives as followers of Christ? Dan Boone writes this. Our God hallows his name by giving it to us, making us in his likeness and image. We pray that when others see us, they see God present. Hallowed be thy name. We are praying that others would see God present in our lives, in our actions. Do our actions represent love and peace and truth and mercy and joy and hope? When we say this first line, we claim all of these things. Do you see why? Do you see what I mean by that? This prayer is the standard. Because this prayer has everything that we believe and everything that we live wrapped up into talking with God, into communicating with God. So to review, when we say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, we allow God to be God. We say that we have a relationship with him that is intimate and looking to him for all things. We say that he is great and mighty and powerful, living in heaven and sees the world usually different than how we see it. And that we with our very lives have an opportunity to worship him by hallowing his name, by setting apart, by making his name holy and known as holy. We live as we pray, friends. We live as we pray. So when you pray this prayer, you can't pray it in this monotone kind of way. Oh, I just, I, I just know it from memory. My Father, I have another name of the King, will come and will be done. It's, it's not that way. This prayer establishes so much and so little. This prayer establishes your life in Christ, your relationship with God, and how you might live differently. So when we pray this prayer every week, Don't pray this prayer with some kind of indifference. This prayer will change your life. This prayer will change this world. This prayer unleashes something far grander than we can ever expect. This thing opens a can of worms. Frederick Buchner says this about this prayer. 
To speak those words is to invite the tiger out of the cage, to unleash a power that makes atomic power look like a warm breeze. That's powerful. Now you might be thinking to yourself, this is a lot to take in. This is a lot to consider. I mean, do I really have the courage to pray these words? Am I really willing to let the tiger out of the cage, the cat out of the bag, the worms out of the can? Jesus says we should pray like this. But let me share with you a personal, Ed, a personal side to this, okay? If any of you know me at all, you know that uh, when I can get stressed out sometimes, and to a point that uh, I get a little anxious. In fact, I, I have found out that I have stomach issues when I'm too anxious, and it hurts and it stinks and it's well it doesn't never mind it doesn't stink <laughs> sometimes it does okay um that's embarrassing okay uh <laughs> but when i'm anxious my entire body groans it hurts and there are a great number of things that you can do when you are suffering from anxiety. There's, there's exercises, there's breathing exercises that you can do. And those help. They really do. But what I have found is that when I'm in the midst of this great struggle, whatever I might be dealing with, it could be something incredibly minute. It could be something that is the end of someone's life or someone's relationship. When I feel this way, I have learned that praying this prayer centers me. And everything that you and I have just gone over today is wrapped up in the fact that it puts me in the center of the identity that God has I stop defining myself by the circumstances that are currently facing me. I stop defining myself by the wrongs or the sins that I have done. I stop defining myself by myself. And as soon as I say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, God moves me to the center. And in that moment, it forms my identity back in him. And I am saying, God, you are God and I am not. And you are greater than anything. You're greater than me. You are greater than my circumstances. You are greater than my past. You are greater than my mistakes. Praying this prayer reminds me of who I am. That I'm a son of the Father Most High. I am a child of God. And I am redeemed by His Son. And I have the promise of life now and life everlasting. 
Praying this prayer will change your life. Pray this prayer. Jesus told us to. So you should do it anyways. But this prayer is also the most amazing words that you can say to God. Let the tiger out of the cage. Let God be God. And may you be his child. May you be his son. May you be his daughter. Crying out, Dad, you're good, you're holy, you're mighty, you love me, you care for me. You're going to provide. So this morning, allow God to shape who you are as we pray. Thank you for listening to Champion Church the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope that today's message was inspiring to you. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday. Our services are Sunday mornings at 10.30. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. For more information, you can visit us at championnaz.org. We hope that you have a blessed week, and thanks again for listening.